Episode of the podcast from P-Town and no that was not Elvis Presley that was a guy that auditioned on American Idol some years back I think his name was John Peter Lewis or something like that but everybody just called him JPL and that song kind of has a little bit to do with what we're going to be talking about tonight for this bonus episode I'm talking about the Stanford prison experiment and if you haven't heard of this before not a whole lot of people have heard of it but you're in for a pretty wild ride. This was a experiment, and it kind of ended up as a botched experiment, but you'll see why as we go through it. So the Stanford Prison Experiment, it took place from August 14th to August 20th of 1971. It was originally supposed to last for two weeks, but as you'll see as we go through this, it only ended up lasting for six days. And it was a social psychology experiment to investigate the psychological effects of perceived power. And they wanted to look at the struggle between prisoners and prison officers. And I think uh, it can be expounded to other societal situations, which I'll talk about at the end, that are probably a little controversial. But we'll talk about them anyhow. So the experiment, it was led by a guy by the name of Philip Zimbardo from Stanford University. And they used volunteers by putting out an ad in the newspaper to see if people wanted to volunteer for this little project they were going to do. And the study, it was actually funded by the U.S. Office of Naval Research. So they had some pretty good funding behind it. But they said the goal of the experiment was we wanted to see what the psychological effects were of becoming a prisoner or prison guard. To do this, we decided to set up a simulated prison and then carefully note the effects of this institution on the behavior of all those within its walls. So they weren't just doing it on the people that were prisoners. They were The experiment was also on the people who were working as the guards as well. What they did, they recruited male participants. They only allowed males in, and they told them it would be a two-week test. And so th- with their ad in the newspaper, they got a bunch of different uh, applicants and whatnot, and they put them all through a battery of tests, and they took 24 applicants whose test results predicted they would be the most psychologically stable and healthy. And they also looked at, they were mainly white males, they came from middle class families, and they wouldn't accept anyone that had a criminal background, any psychological impairments, or any medical problems. So they're basically all fit individuals, just normal everyday Joes, and then they also incentivized it, I guess, and said that to do this, each person would receive $15 per day, which in today's money, it was like $95 a day they were getting to go through this. They basically, you didn't, you just applied for the uh, experiment. You didn't apply to be a guard or a prisoner. And so how they chose that, they basically chose it by a coin flip. 
and there would end up being nine guards plus three people to be substitutes if needed, and then there'd be nine prisoners with three to be substitutes as needed. So when people responded to the newspaper ad, they didn't know if they were going to be a prisoner or a guard. They knew there were going to be prisoners and guards, but they just didn't know which uh, one of those categories they fell into. So they converted the or to run the experiment, they converted the basement of Jordan Hall, which is Stanford's psychology building, into a makeshift prison. And so there were two fabricated walls. One was at the entrance and one where the cell block started. And each cell was six feet by nine feet, and it only had a cot. There was no bathroom facilities, which we'll get into, and anything like that in the cells. And the prisoners, they were confined to their cells for 24 hours a day, but I found a little bit of conflicting information that there was also kind of like a little makeshift prison yard that they were able to go to. But basically, they were confined to this area 24 hours a day, which, again, you'll see changed between the prisoners as well as the prison guards. And the guards, on the other hand, they were given a much nicer environment. They were separated from the prisoners, and they were given rest in a relaxation area as well as other comforts. So they were just in a basic living environment. And Zimbardo, his role in it, he was the superintendent of the prison. And then he had a graduate research assistant that took the role of the warden of the prison. And he went so far as to design the experiment he uh they would induce disorientation depersonalization and de-individualism individualism of the prisoners so it i mean for an experiment it really got kind of sadistic actually so they held an orientation with the guards bef the day before the experiment began and the guards were told that they couldn't physically harm the prisoners and they couldn't withhold them from food or drink. It almost seemed, though, harming them mentally was almost, it seemed like it was encouraged. And they wanted to create boredom, a sense of fear, and a notion of arbitrariness that their life was being totally controlled by the guards. And they would have no privacy and no individuality. And they wanted them to give the sense of powerlessness and that basically they would be controlled by the system. So, as you can see, it gets into a little bit of our social hierarchy that we go through today. And I apologize for all the Facebook updates you're hearing. Not sure why I get so popular when I'm trying to record a podcast. But, anyhow, the guards, they were given clothing and batons that it made them look like real prison guards. They even gave them mirrored sunglasses so they couldn't create eye contact with the prisoners, or more so so that the prisoners wouldn't be able to make any eye contact with them. The prisoners, on the other hand, they were given these poor-fitting smocks, which were actually made from a woman's nylons, and they wore those as stocking caps. And they were basically wearing a dress and flip-flops, and they had a chain around one ankle. And they would only be addressed by their prison number, which was sewn onto each uniform. And even their outfits were designed to demasculate and dehumanize them the thing of wear, wearing the dresses with no undergarments on underneath of them men aren't generally wearing dresses and they that was the first part of kind of demasculating them and uh, breaking them down so we kind of got the basics of the experiment laid out so let's get started with the actual experiment so the prisoners in this Deal. They were actually arrested at their homes and charged with armed robbery. So they were sitting at home one night, and it went so far as they talked the Palo Alto Police Department to come to each of their houses 
They took him out in cuffs, and then they went through full booking procedures with him, just like if you were getting arrested. And they were even going so far, they took fingerprints and mugshots of him. And then they were transported to the mock prison, and I think they called it the Sacramento County Jail or Sacramento County Prison or something like that. But when they got here, they were strip searched even, and then they were given their new attire. And they did this in the evening too, so it kind of even more disoriented them and whatnot. And like I said earlier, the prisoners, they had to stay there for 24 hours. And they had a small prison yard, but they also had a closet uh, in this area for solitary confinement, which we'll come into also. Now, the guards and the wardens had a larger room that when they were on shift that they could uh, be in. And they worked in teams of three for eight-hour shifts, and they could go home at the end of their shift. They didn't have to stay there. And it also stated that there was actually three prisoners per cell, which I don't know. I tried to cross that reference out a little bit because three prisoners to a six-foot-by-nine-foot cell, that seems a little bit much, but... Who knows, this whole experiment seems a little bit much. And also, uh, just to note that there were researchers that were kind of watching this whole thing. I think in one part in it, they stated that there were over 50 researchers that kind of came and watched uh, how the people interacted and how they acted and how they deteriorated and whatnot. But if a guard, so as they were going along, if a guard wasn't being tough enough on the prisoners, the warden would give them a talking to and then encourage them to participate more and be more tough. And one of the guards specifically, he was starting to feel kind of sorry for the prisoners. And they told him that he needed to step up his game, basically, and be more tough. So they got in there. The first day went pretty good. But then on the second day, the prisoners in cell one, they blockaded their cell door with their beds. And they took off their stocking caps. And then they refused to come out or follow the guards' instructions. And this almost turned into a prison riot on the second day of the thing. The guards from the other shifts uh, volunteered to work overtime to help quell the revolt, and then they ended up subduing the prisoners using fire, extinguisher, fire extinguishers without being supervised by the researchers. So this, it, it was even starting off, you know, the, the thing, the interesting thing about this is it was just regular people. They weren't real guards or they weren't real prisoners, but just the atmosphere that they put them into you know it turned them into you know on the second day basically they started having a riot and so they quickly found out that handling cell not or handling nine cellmates with only three guards was rough so they started to use psychological tactics on them and what they did with this they set up a privileged cell and any prisoner that wasn't involved in a riot could go to this cell and then here they got a little more privilege and they were given higher quality meals. But they chose not to eat the meals to commiserate the fellow prisoners. So there was all already in this thing, there was becoming an us versus them mentality. Kind of like how prisons are today, you know. But then after only 35 hours into the test, <clears throat> one prisoner started to act crazy. And he was screaming and cursing and he went into a rage that seemed out of control. And so they pulled him out and ran some tests and kind of evaluate them and then come to find out he really was suffering and they had to release him from custody so 35 hours into this thing and they already had one person that basically went crazy and then another thing that they would do with them they would make them repeat their assigned numbers to help strip them of their individualism so like one of the guys said he said when i went in there 
I was not known as a person anymore. I was only known as this number. And then if they messed up when they were uh, repeating their uh, numbers, they would get more exercise as punishment. But shortly after the whole thing started, the sanitary conditions started to decline rapidly. And the only thing the prisoners had in their cells to relieve themselves in was a bucket. And as punishment, the guards wouldn't let them remove the bucket after they had used it. And they'd also punish the prisoners by taking their mattresses and forcing them to sleep on the concrete. Or they would take their clothes and be forced to be naked as another f method of degradation towards these prisoners. And like I mentioned before, these weren't really guards and these weren't really prisoners. And for people, for them to get into the role, especially the guards more so, of doing this to other people, it just, it's kind of interesting. But... Many of the researchers, they noted that about one-third of the guards exhibited, exhibited genuine sadistic tendencies, and most of the guards, they were upset that the experiment ended after only six days. They wanted it to keep going because, I, as true sadists, they wanted to continue inflicting more emotional trauma and whatnot on these people. And it was interesting, too, to read that there really wasn't much physical violence that took place in here. There were a couple situations of uh, physical violence, but that all got stopped pretty quickly. But so much of this was just emotional and psychological uh, violence. And like I said, the guards were kind of being trained or whatnot by Zimbardo and by some of the researchers on how they were supposed to act towards the prisoners. I mean, obviously, these uh, Zimbardo and them were psychologists, so they knew how to kind of play psychological games with these prisoners and tactics. So on the fourth day of the experiment, some of the guards said they heard a rumor that the guy that had been released, the guy that went crazy that had been released, they heard a rumor that he was going to come back and get all the other prisoners released. So they disassembled the jail, and then they moved it up to another floor of the building, and Zimbardo was going to wait down there in the basement for the guy to show up and then tell him that the experiment was over and uh, basically just fool him. But the guy never did show up, so they moved the jail back down to the basement and then continued on with the experiment. And Zimbardo, he also, in his notes, he noted that some of the prisoners actually internalized their role. They said that they would forfeit their pay if they could get paroled, but it also seems like they could quit if they wanted to, but they had internalized the rule so much that they didn't think that they could just quit. <laughs> and so some of them were trying to ask for parole to get out, not realizing that if they just quit, they wouldn't have to go because they had they told them that there was would be like parole board hearings and this type of thing and that type of thing. And that, I mean, they basically weren't being held captive there, but they... Uh, they had internalized their role so much that they thought they were being held captive there. So another thing that I found that another prisoner, which was numbered 416, he ended up being brought in from the standby group where every time that one of the prisoners actually left, they would bring in one of those other three from the standby group. And I think he was brought in, I think he was the first one brought in after the crazy guy left. And he started to express concern over how the prisoners were treated. And this ended up leading to more abuse. So he went on a hunger strike. And then this little trick, that got him sent off to soli solitary confinement. Remember that closet that I told you about? So that's where he got sent to. 
And while he was in the closet, the guards made the other prisoners beat on the doors and the walls and stuff and yell at him. And the guards said that the only way he could get out of solitary was if the prisoners gave up their mattresses or gave up their blankets and slept on bare mattresses. And all but one of the prisoners accepted this. So the one that didn't accept it kind of seems like a jerk not looking out for his buddies. But this, again, goes to show that how they actually treated these people and whatnot and how the prisoners allowed themselves to be treated, I guess, was very interesting. But Zimbardo, so they ended up having to abort the experiment earlier, early. A gal by the name of Christina Maslach, whom Zimbardo was actually dated and dating, and he later ended up marrying her, she objected to the conditions. And she was introduced to the prison to conduct interviews, and she said that the conditions were inhumane. But Zimbardo countered back that over 50 researchers, or out of over the 50 researchers, she was the only one that objected to the conditions. But nevertheless, the, the experiment was discontinued at that time. So needless to say, the experiment, it's had numerous critical articles written about it over the years. Zimbardo himself, he even admitted that it was more of a demonstration rather than a scientific experiment. There was no control group, there was no comparison group, etc., which you would look to see in an actual scientific experiment. And I think one of the best things that Zimbardo said about this was, rather than, or rather, the SPE serves as a cautionary tale of what might happen to any of us if we underestimate the extent to which the power of social rules and external pressures can influence our actions. So sit back and think about those words for a second and kind of ponder that. I'll give you time to pause. But it has also been stated that some of the guards' behavior allegedly led to dangerous and psychological damaging situations. Duh. The prisoners were so emotionally traumatized that three of them had to be removed early. So there wasn't just the one guy that went crazy. There was actually three of them that had to be removed from the experiment early. And another one of the criticisms, criticisms was also claimed that the guards acted meaner because they knew that they were being watched and wanted to see how far they could push the envelope. So they knew that there were researchers watching them. They wanted to see actually how mean they could be. But some of the guards, like I'd stated earlier, actually started to feel sorry for the prisoners and were letting up a little bit. One of them was even going to try to smuggle marijuana joints into them, but he got found out. And like I stated that when guys weren't acting tough enough, they'd get a talking to and be told to act tougher on the prisoners. So, all in all, it seemed the SPE was originally designed uh, to look at the systemic problems within the prisons, the problems that go on every day with between pris real prisoners and real guards. And Zimbardo, he's been called to speak before Congress on prison reform. And in my own opinion, and this is where it may seem a little controversial, I think it's a glimpse at how our social hierarchies uh, act today. The... For example, the governor of Oregon puts the state on lockdown and then she flies off to Hawaii or she tells everyone that they have to wear masks, but she doesn't do that herself. And Oregon isn't the only state that this type of thing is happening in. 
but compared to the SBE, the prisoners were forced to live in cells while the guards were given much more lavish quarters and go home. So if you look at it in a social hierarchy type, the people at the top aren't being held to the same standards that they impose on the people that are below them, or they may treat them harsher because they think that they have a, a higher social status than the people that they are overseeing. And speaking of emotional trauma, and this really has nothing to do with the SPE that much, but if you look at the divorce, suicide, and domestic violence rates since we've been forced into lockdowns, it's surprising how many of the tactics in the SPE correlate to situations, to situations that we go through today. This is one thing I found interesting. Uh, while I've been researching this podcast, or through the course of it, many of the things that were condemned say back in Truman's day, for example, those are things that society is embracing uh, these days. And so there's been a lot of these uh, psychological experiments that have gone on over the years. And a lot of it, we call it an experiment, but it really shines a light back on our uh, social structures that we have in place. But... I think all in all, the uh, Stanford prison experiment, it proved that people can be manipulated by those that are in power above them. So that's about all I have for this uh, bonus episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I did it some justice. I know there's been a few other podcasts that I've listened to about this uh, particular uh, experiment, but hope you liked it. Uh, be, for, be sure to go out and follow us on the P-Town or podcast from P-Town page or group on Facebook. And you can follow us uh, P-Town podcast on Instagram. Or you can always send me an email at ptownpodcast74 at gmail.com. And if you have, like I've stated, if you have any ideas for shows, uh, please send them to me. I'm trying to find uh, shows that people obviously i'm going to go through the song but on these bonus episodes trying to find actual topics that will be of interest to people so people will want to listen so that's pretty much it for this and we'll see you guys on the next one thanks a lot